friends to another episode of Ice Cave Radio. I almost slipped up. You almost almost did it. Yeah. I was wondering how long it would take one of us to do it, and I honestly thought I would be the first. But so. we haven't yet. That's the beauty of it. We have not yet. But this is, in fact, Ice Cave Radio. This is a podcast about Star Wars Unlimited and all kinds of other Star Wars card gaming experiences. I am Flake. Doa is not here, but that means that each of us are going to math it out to bring you a full force episode. Charmer, what's up? I appreciate the full force episode because whether it was on purpose or not, I know that I'm slowly and subtly influencing you and some of our other friends like Logan into just becoming a, a pun master like myself. So I appreciate that. I do my best. You've influenced me in many positive ways and negative ways, frankly. I was going to say that wasn't one of them. Definitely not. No, but we do have another episode. Doa, again, uh, has, it's a very busy month for Doa. We all love him. We all appreciate him. He is unfortunately... Uh, in the midst of life, and that is a, a tough task. So we are covering the base this time. You know what else we're covering? Oh, what, Charmer? What? The cave pole of the week. <laughs> yes, friends, it's another cave pole. As always, every Sunday you can check out the cave pole at Ice Cave Radio on Twitter. Give us your opinion, because this week... We want to sort of dig in. People are starting to see the cards coming out and seeing the beauty of a lot of these cards, um, the various different collecting aspects. But we want to ask you, we, we did ask you, the cave poll this week was, what are your Star Wars Unlimited collecting ambitions? And, Charmer, frankly, the options were trade down for value, as in, anything that isn't just the base version, I'm going to trade it away, get extra value complete the collection that way we've got mm -hmm. hey whatever i open i keep showcase foil hyperspace hyperfoil doesn't matter i open it it's mine i keep it hyperspace or foils only so i'm either gonna bling out my deck with foils or bling it out hyperspace version that's what my ambitions are or i want all the hyperfoils and the showcases i want to really boss out this collection and i'm gonna ask you what your selection was this week, Charmer. All right. This, this only went this way because of the wording. So I selected all Hyperfoils Showcase, but I selected it because you said, what are your collecting ambitions? Now, I am fully aware that my wallet will not likely make this a reality, but... I have been converted. I was originally just going to go into this and say, okay, there are certain Star Wars characters that I really like, and I want to get you know their stuff in hyperspace or showcase if they're a leader or whatever. And that was it. That was going to be good enough for me. That's usually what I do in the other games that I play. If something clicks with me, then I want it. And if not, don't really care. And then we got the cards in our hands, and I got to see how pretty the hyperspace foils look. And then we got to see some of the showcases. And now that they have been, you know, trickling out some of the other showcase arts as well, I just know that they're all going to be gorgeous. And now I, I want them all. So my ambition, right, my goal is I'm going to I'm going to try to get one of everything. I think now that I say try. Yeah. 
I mean, again, the wording of it, ambition, it's just like everybody has their goal and they'll work towards it, whether they complete it or not. It's the journey is what I'm told. No, it's owning it is also <laughs> part of it. So I have been on the record multiple times. Um, people in the Discord, by the way, which is popping off. The Discord is on fire, and we thank you all for listening. If you're not part of it, yes, we are probably by the time that this gets published, we have crossed over 100 members in the Ice, uh, Ice Cave Radio Discord server. They're, the conversation are flowing. All the different people are like, can we get a channel for this? Can we get a channel for that? And then they're just on fire. Um, somebody said, hey, I know, Flake, what you're saying. Because I went in there with the, like, the share your stuff and check out all these new spoilers of all the new showcases and hyperfoils and whatever. And I said, listen, this is the first time, I think, in forever that I have told myself, no, I am... I'm getting all the hyperspace cards. That is the ambition. I have set up my binder to reflect that. Let me see if I... It's behind me, but I, 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 I did the collecting aspect. I'll show people later. But my, my binder typically, when I'm talking about like my master collection, quote unquote, is for flesh and blood, which is I have a dozen binders all sorted and whatever but in the binder goes only the base versions of the cards in this one it is the foils come out the ba it's base cards and then hyperfoils and uh, sorry hyperspace cards and as i collect more hyperspace they take the place of the base set cards and that this is the first time in in star wars ccg lord of the rings uh magic flesh and blood you know, Pokemon, whatever, that this is the first time that I have collected cards and have have told myself, no, we are going for the gusto here. I have selected hyperspace, um, hyperspace only. That is my ambition. I want my whole collection to be all hyperspace. First time. I, I, I think that's fair. And to be honest, I actually expect... Uh, I, I don't think that it'll be reflected in the cost as far as the demand goes, but I expect the non-foil hyperspace cards to still be relatively commodified because there are those people who just don't like foils. And the fact that there are hyperspace versions that are you know, non-foil, I, I think is actually going to appeal to a lot of people. So I, I do think that there's going to be more than just you kind of on this mission. I just, I have a crow brain. And so I say, oh, shiny, I need it. it the, you know, it glitters. I'm I'm that fish. If you've ever uh, seen like a spinning lure, I'm that fish that totally gets got by the spinning lure. <laughs> I can see that. Absolutely. And this is what I'm worried about is precisely what you said is the fact that I think I'm, I got to double check with the rarity drop is on this. If it's at if it's the same or or more scarce than standard foils are. But I am part of that exact crew that you mentioned. I do not like foil cards. Um, they're pretty. They just haven't been done right in forever. I will be just blunt about this. And obviously, I live in a climate where in the summer, it's like 35 degrees Celsius and 85% humidity disgusting. And in the winter, it could drop to minus 40 Celsius and, and dry as a bone. So there's no winning here. I, I just it's as pretty as the foils are. The I would I am op I am working on a binder currently, which is only I want one ofs of the hyperfoils. Any hyperfoil I open, I'm keeping, and I might use it for trade fodder. However, ultimately that is the goal is, and I just hope that I find the right trading partners to 
to get it. Like if if anybody's well, listening to if, me, yeah. If you've got some hyperspace foils and I've got some regulars, it sounds like we can make we have, some deals. We might have yeah something going on. But I will throw this out there to the community. If your ambition is to get the basic foils, talk to me. We'll do some wheeling and dealing. I'm totally willing. We meet at an event or something that we're at. I will bust out the binder. The objective for me is I want three ofs of all the hyperspace cards. Let's go to the results, Charmer, because it's a poll. In the lead is what I thought it would be at 41.5%. Yeah. Whatever I open, I keep. And I think that that is the majority of people. Nobody, a lot of people who will play casually and just kind of have a collection, they might, you know, look to trade for things they want. But for the most part, they want to keep the treasures they unearth. 27.7% is trade down for value. This is, I think, reflective of the fact that people want to build the decks that they want to build and not necessarily collect the whole master set. It's just like, hey, I want to build a really cool Palpatine deck. So anything that's in aggression, anything in heroism or whatever, I'm going to trade down to get things I want. If I've got like a foil Han Solo, I'm going to trade it down to get like a couple, like two rares that I need, two governors or something that I need for my deck. Ultimately, uh, that's coming in second, third place, hyperspace or foils only. Oh, sorry, that was last. Second place was all hyperfoils and sh or showcase cards at 17.17%. Uh, I mucked this up, but you get it. The graphics there for the video. Ultimately, Charmer, I think that for the most part, do you agree with this poll? Is this kind of what you suspected? This is not what I expected, actually. So I expected trade down for value to be higher. I expected that to actually win. I do understand a lot of folks with the, like, whatever I open, I keep thing, but, and maybe it's, you know, it would be interesting to run this, like, for each set, because it might just be that the the game is so new that people are just excited, and they're like, okay, whatever I open, I keep, because it's new, right? But I think over time, you're going to see people that they will fall into either, hey, I'm just going to trade for base versions of everything or i want like my specific like your niche right i want the hyperspace non-foils or me the total bling if you will so uh, i just i expected that to be higher uh in general even if it didn't outright win uh only 27.7 percent for trade down for value um just feels low to me for some reason because i've been to a lot of uh Card game events and there's usually a lot of uh, wheeling and dealing going on both at tables and at vendors so this does feel a little weird to me but think nearly 70 percent of people are like i'll either keep what i get or look to build a collection through through trading and, and bartering or whatever so uh overall i think that that's fairly reflective yeah. of what the community is you know 70 percent of them are going to be playing casually build the one or two decks that they want and move forward that way um, there you go. That is your Ice Cave poll, your Ice Cave uh, Radio poll of the week, every Sunday at Ice Cave Radio on Twitter. Headlines, Charmbaka, are relatively light, um, mainly because we are kind of really rapidly approaching the fact that, hey, we are like a week away or a week and a half away or so, whatever, from pre-release. And then a week after that is the, the big shebang. That's where everybody's going to start going haywire and... 
yeah. opening up their stuff. But they did drop us with the comprehensive rules. And I think that that is incredibly important because this is your your baseline. This is your constitution, as it were, when it comes to the game. Any questions you have that cannot be answered by this, well, then you got a problem. I was most excited to see the comprehensive rules finally being released because this is step one toward them officially opening a judge program. Now, we know that one is coming. They've talked about it, right? But before you can study for any sort of judge test, you have to have rules. And obviously with the pre-release, my pre-release is eight days from now. I'm so excited. Can't believe it. I feel like we've been covering this game for forever. And in eight days, I get to play in an actual event. Um, Obviously, the judge program won't be live in time for the pre-release, but those are meant to just be low stakes, enjoy the game. Like, I'm still going to play to win mine, obviously, but it's not meant to be like, a, you know, a big top tier event. But again, comprehensive rules are step one to getting people primed for judge programs. And I, I always, always, always give my flowers to judges at card game events because they really, really are the unsung heroes of any large-scale events. They show up. They are spending the entire weekend dealing usually with players that either have complex questions and they almost always have to make some sort of ruling that's going to make somebody unhappy one way or the other. And they do everything for really the love of the game. Like, yeah, a lot of times judges get their compensation, and, and they should, don't get me wrong, but they... You know, they show up for an entire weekend and spend most of the time not playing the game they love. And so they are like the only other ones outside of people who do commentary and casting like we do that <laughs> fall into that same thing. And I in you, you know me, I, any event that I go to, the minute it ends, I'm like, all right, I want to draft now. All right, I want to play because I spend all day talking about it and I want to play. And so I just I feel for the judges um, and I, I hope that we get some great ones in this game because they really, really are the unsung heroes of good events. They're necessary. They're integral to a smooth event and everything. And you're right. This is sort of the, the first part. This is your study material. I, I invite anybody who wants to play this game at an event to actually just read the comprehensive rules, triggers and ordering things and how things resolve is very important. The game, though, it seems fairly simple on the surface. That, you know, like when we were in Minneapolis, there were certain things like, how does this resolve or how does this happen? And, and the questions are actually popping up in various discords. So, yeah, it's going to be important. The next thing is FFG also released aspect videos, which are just you can check it out on their Twitter or whatever. They're like, you know, 30 to 60 second recaps of what each aspect is representing. It's, you know, you and I did a video a while ago about like sort of aspect ideology or we wanted to or get through it. This is just a better option. We've talked about it. It's like, OK, we know that, you know, vigilance is kind of like your your your, uh, I guess, white in magic, um, things like that. And uh, red is red and, and cunning is kind of like blue. So this kind of just sort of encapsulates it in a very nice little package. Yeah, you know, you actually kind of. Uh inspired me just now because obviously there are the magic comparisons but there's a lot of people that i plan on introducing to the game that are going to be coming from the elder scrolls legends and that is another game that has colors but they were tied to 
um, like abilities that you would play in an Elder Scrolls game. And there's a lot of parallels there as well. And I might make some sort of guide for that just because there's going to be, I think, those abundant for the magic comparisons. But some of those other games like Tessel, like uh, Lorcana, right? The regions, or not Lorcana, uh, Lorcana, the colors, uh, Legends of Runeterra. Uh, that's the other one I was thinking of um, with the regions and things like that. I, I do think that it would be kind of neat to have a, if you're coming from X game oh, series, that would be a really cool series for us to do. I think yeah. between all of us, we could probably knock our heads together uh, to, to do like, a, all right, here's like a five minute video or a 10 minute video of like, if you've come from this game, this is, this is the similarities. Lord knows yeah, I played it, enough. It only to... triggered because you were like, you know, when you were talking about, you know, vigilance is white. I was like, actually, it's willpower, which technically is white in Tessel, but like it's really close to what willpower was in Tessel. And then the, I just was quickly running through my head and I was like, oh, yeah, it's also um, it's like a white uh, and blue. So blue is intelligence in the Elder Scrolls Legends is basically what vigilance is. It's that combination of the two. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch. I. My wheels are turning now. I know that this is not the right time to have this discussion, but I'm actually kind of excited do to do I have to hit the uh, a few of those. Yeah, maybe. All right, it's button time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So we're trying some new things. Last week we did the uh, seismic charge um, sound effect. This time, I think what I want to do, I, I actually am, I might call an audible just now. Tomorrow being Freaky Friday, maybe I'll just do the Babu Freak Hey Hey as the the sound effect. Maybe that's what we're doing. Hey! <laughs> yeah. It is emergency pack. Do you have your emergency pack? No, you don't. Because you opened them all because you can't help yourself. I kept a few packs for exactly this reason ahead of pre-release. Because you and I know what you're yeah. gonna do. You're gonna go to an event, you're gonna go to your pre-release, you're gonna win a few packs. You're not going to save them. You're not going to save them. You're going to open them straight away. No, I will save the ones from the pre-release. It was just funny because I, that that was the reason I opened all mine. I was like, oh, man, we have the pre-release coming up. I'll just get more packs there. And then I was like, oh, but now I don't have any. <laughs> oh, well, it's starting off pretty good. So here it is, uh, uh -oh. ladies and gentlemen. We've got a uh, Hyperspace Boba Fett. Nice. Hyperspace yeah. Rare leader. Oil, so oh no, it's exactly common, what you're looking for. Yeah, this is precisely what I'm looking for. Uh, we got a dig up a swamp. So we're gonna go through these because somebody in the in the Discord go join the uh, the. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Ice Cave Radio Discord um, said you guys should discuss what's a good pack one pick one for draft. And I said that's a really good idea. So we got a um, tie interceptor. Fantastic card. We've got uh, metal ceremony. Jeremy Zwern to give as the last card in a pack. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Zwern absolutely blew me out of that showcase game with this particular card. But uh, there it is, medal ceremony. We got. All right, all right. That's your uh, seasoned shore trooper. Looking good. Looking good. We've got. I'm a big fan of that card, just in general, but even more so in limited. System patrol craft. Let me know if anything strikes you as, uh, well, we haven't gotten to the rares yet, but open fire. I love this card. This is just straight yeah, up deal four damage to a unit. Why not? Open fire is very versatile. Okay. I think this is recruit. Yeah. Recruit. All right. So one of the, Wele, Yeah. That's also fantastic. So this is actually a great 
packed to have this discussion because one of the things that's also going to matter is what leaders you draft. Because I was involved in some drafts where I, for example, couldn't select villainy cards because I locked myself out of the villainy aspect by accident. I happen to be too. I know I'm like, oh, I just can't do any of this. Yeah. And so, like, the reason I mention it is because as you're thinking through this pack, right, like, the the stuff that jumps out at me, um, you know, Whaley's a great card, but, you know, we have the red removal, but there's also the tie interceptor. And I think interceptor is a beautiful card, but if you are like me and you locked yourself out of villainy, obviously you can't take that. So <laughs> if you're like me, uh, there you go. We've got... Uh, snapshot reflexes snapshot reflexes that might be the last common no we got another one after this i think yeah, i was gonna say no that's an uncommon i'm pretty sure that Carabast. is a catabast uh we've got ooh, bays good old bays malbus no hyperspace yet whoop oh there's Here the hyperspace and again speaking of the villainy what a great Here. card if you're not locked out of villainy, this card's fantastic. I it, love this card. This is beautiful. Getting a high up. Oh! Well, there goes the mystery. Oh no, I didn't even see it. You guys might have caught a glimpse, but either way, um, f this is a hyperspace power of the dark side. Great card. Totally playable. You know, the best thing about this card is the crew that revealed it. Right when it was spoiled, I just remember that being a really awesome time. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's oh. the rare. So our rare is Traitorous. Um, just a standard steal your, steal your dude, which we like it. I like this as a sideboard card. I think it's pretty I awesome. I think it's going to be a fantastic sideboard card most of the time, but in, in limited, if I was in command, I would very strongly consider taking this. You are never in command. Oh, okay. Well, you're a foil as a battalion. steadfast battalion. So what's your pack one pick one there? There's a couple options. I mean, traitorous seems pretty good. A single aspect, steal your dude card. That's your rare. Yeah. Power of the dark side, also a fantastic, fantastic option. I don't know if you like Carabas, Baze Malbus is in there as well. But yeah, so this is this is that interesting discussion about like where your leaders are. So if you're considering playing command, I think Traitorous is outstanding. Um, I would take that over, you know, all things equal. I would take that over anything in the pack just because it's both removal, but also uh, theoretically plus a body. And anytime you can do removal plus a body, you are in a good spot. So I was really high on tie interceptor for that exact same reason as well. Uh, also, the space is, I, I think, under fought for and underrepresented quite a bit. And if you can blow up like their one space unit, you might get two or three free damage turns just from having space presence. Um, so if you are in villainy, um, your choices are likely between the interceptor and power of the dark side. I think power of the dark side is the safer choice. Um, yeah. I mean, I, in my opinion, unless I'm already in command, like if I don't have command leaders, different story. But um, Power of the Dark Side is just so good. Plus, it's it's a hyper it's a hyperspace card. Yeah. Uh, Tie Interceptor takes out a Green Squadron A Wing, and those cards are disgusting. So yeah, you kind of need them. All right, my takes friends. out a Red Three if somebody's picked one of those up. Takes True. out like honestly. Even if you're talking about like stuff in common slots, the uh, restored arc 
is a real like annoyance in the early game because it just kind of hangs out there and keeps people's uh, bases afloat. Like there's a lot of stuff that the interceptor takes out. So from that pack, again, depending on stuff, it, interceptor, power of the dark side, traitorous, and then if if none of those are your jam, then like waylay is also fantastic. If you're you know hard in the cunning area, that's the other consideration. So the other thing that uh, we got to finally see, uh, in terms of spoilers, again, um, there's really no new cards we're going to see, but we're seeing new art. So we're going to toss this into the spoilers section. We've got all of the showcase art now has been revealed, and I'm going to have them flashed up on the screen here if you're watching on YouTube. If not, you can go check them out, I believe, at um, spoodb.com and go have a look at that. But ultimately, friends... Um, Cassian Andor, Chirrut, uh, Fett, the Grand Inquisitor, Hera, IG-88, Jyn Erso, Tarkin. They all got revealed. And is there any one of these that is jumping off the page for you as being like, damn, I really need this? You know, it's funny because I was going to say, um, all right, so I, I love Jin, right? So, like, for that reason alone, I really want it, but... What I found to be really interesting is um, I have no intention of like playing much IG-88 or if I'm being honest, Boba Fett. I know Boba Fett's actually a really powerful leader in, in some instances. It just wasn't something that was calling to me. But I think that art wise, those are two outstanding pieces. And I, I'm like, man, I kind of want I want the showcase. And if you get the showcase, you got to build a deck with it. Right. So. They they may have won me over, or I might I might just like pick up the IG eighty eight and then like swap it in when I pick him in draft or something. But like both of those just look great to me. To me, those were the exact two that I was gonna say uh, in terms of art style, in terms of just the menacing presence. I like Hera Syndulla as well. I just want to give some love to the Hera ca character in this case or the the showcase art. She looks so dead focused. Like the artist who did this really captured the resolve the sort of almost this like anger this this vengeance to a yeah. degree of how she's piloting but the stylistic approach to fet is incredible it, it's kind of like this brush paint art kind of thing um I, i'm not an artist i'm definitely i have no clue what the hell i'm talking about i'm just gonna try my best here but if you notice the thing about fet as well is you've got his ship in the background which is really cool like yeah. you, you can kind of yeah. just make it out the fat one gives me like an 80s comic book vibe. Yeah. But I, I but I mean that like as a positive, like that's like I was just drawn to it as like, wow, I could totally see that being, you know, something that I read as as a kid. It just has that style. But I'm Man. not normally a big Boba Fett fan. Look at this IG. might have won me over. Look at IG. IG 88. Because he's got the whole thing where he's just snapping to attention to just take out a new target, right? Like, you've got sort yeah. of the motion blur a little bit of being like, bam, like, he's got his next target in sight. And one of his photoreceptors are kind of already looking to his right to pick up the next target. You know, it's just, God, I love it. The artwork is great. <sighs> so the episode this week, Mr. Charmbaka, is just one giant sweep, one shakedown of the mailbag yeah. yeah i was just gonna say you know if i said to you hey we have a lot of wonderful listeners and they for whatever reason hold us in high regard at least enough so to send us questions and we kept talking too much and we never ever ever 
got to their questions, what, what would you uh, what would you say to that? I would say this is all your fault, frankly, is what I would oh, say. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I would say I got a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about okay. quiet. Bad feeling mailbag. That's what uh, we're going to sort of knock out here again. We sincerely appreciate everything that you guys send us in the Discord via our email at icecaveradio at gmail.com. All that stuff. It's incredible. The tweets. We are overwhelmed with the support and the love that you guys have sent, and we hope that you feel it coming back your way. So we, we truly do love this game. We truly do love you. So thank you very much for just propping us up that way. We've got two from last week that we kind of had to skirt past. So why don't you knock us, uh, knock the first one out of the park there? All right. So this first one is from Jackson. And Jackson says, hey, guys, love the show. I got to meet Charmer at Gen Con with my dad, and that got me into the show. That, before we even go on, because there's obviously more, but that alone is one um outstanding I, I always say that if people you know say to me hey you're the reason i got into x y or z like that's the greatest compliment but also that speaks volumes about this game because these people met me and despite that interaction they still liked the game enough to continue playing right incredible yeah so uh, outstanding like have you ever um, been so hungry you walk into a mcdonald's at like one in the morning you're like damn i really want some mcnuggets and you walk in and it's an absolute zoo and you're like not worth it. I don't care how good the nuggets are going to feel. I'm not standing in a line with all these donkeys here. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of... All right. Go on. So Jackson goes on to say, I played a ton of Destiny during the pandemic with my cousins, and I loved making crazy combos. So far, I don't know how strong combo decks will be in Unlimited due to most of the cards needing to be drawn versus Destiny, where you have your characters on the board from the start. Do you think the back and forth actions will make it hard to get off three or four card combos for it to be competitively viable since there's no guarantee key units can stay on the board until your next action? Regardless, I love this game and I can't wait to play with the real cards. We've already got a good group of people that meet and play every Tuesday. Swoo's Day is what they call it. Love it. Uh, overall, the game and your show are both amazing. Thank you for everything you've done for the community. Well, thank you uh, very much, Jackson. Swoosday Tuesday is such a great thing. Uh, you've got Friday Night Magic. I think that Swoosday Tuesday should be a thing as well. So uh, the balls in your court, world, make that happen. Um, I like this question very much because combos, you do like, you know, you have that sort of meta pie or kind of thing or like the triangle or, or however many points it'll have. It's like, okay, aggro, um aggro beats control control beats you know mid-range mid-range or whatever the hell it is you know or mid-range yeah. beats aggro um a combo is kind of somewhere in the middle of all of this it's just this rock paper scissors grenade kind of thing you know and ultimately for combo to work typically you need to find a situation or a game wherein the rules can kind of accommodate it where you can do your crazy nonsense without any without being disturbed you can do it in magic and now there's obviously ways that you can uh you know a counter spell here or something on the stack that you interact with there but if your opponent's tapped out you can't do anything same thing in flesh and blood there are combo decks like kano in flesh and blood that can really just blow your opponent up and win the game 
that's not available here because you're you have to there are going to be combos there's going to be crazy stuff that you can concoct in your mind but what you're the one uh, variable that you're not necessarily accounting for is cooperation from your opponent to allow you to do these things and i'm going to rewind this back to a couple weekends ago in minneapolis where on screen i had you know playing against jeremy zwern there was like a oh there's a line to winning this game or there's a line to surviving this turn and then he messes it up he plays metal ceremony a zero cost card to completely derail you and whether he was tapped out or not that card was always going to mess me up but he held on to it right and that's the thing is that i think combo is viable you just have to have like nerves of steel almost you have to keep like dry passing your turn until your opponent just kind of you know lets you do your thing or it's got to be a combo that really you insulate against and say there's nothing you can do to stop this, you know, like there's just, and I don't think that exists just yet. Yeah. The interesting bit is actually going to be whether or not true combo or what most people think of where they're, you know, talking about game winning combos, whether or not that is supported by future sets, because it doesn't look like that's really possible in set one. And it would not shock me if it's never truly possible in this game. What I expect instead is there to be uh, very high value combos where you can kind of turn the tide if you pull it off, but still don't necessarily just outright win the game. I do think the back and forth actions will also obviously make it more difficult, but if somebody takes the initiative, right, they're locked out and now you're playing solitaire for the rest of that turn. So there are windows where you might be able to pull it off or at least threaten pulling it off. Like there's also a world that exists where maybe the combo itself isn't really what's winning, but if you can threaten it, it changes the way that people navigate their turns, that sort of thing. But um, ultimately, I, I don't think that we're going to see any true like, you know, three, four card infinite combos in this game. And if we do see them, I don't expect them to be significantly powerful because this is a game from its design i feel like anyway is it's meant to have interaction it's meant to have battles right space battles ground battles um you know for lack of a better phrase this is a game that feels like it's meant to be won in the trenches and the combo decks kind of don't really do that usually they're either trying to assemble their combo so fast that their opponent can't do anything about it, or they just stall long enough to pull it off. And if it's the latter, I think you can accomplish that with uh, standard control art types and still be fine in this kind of uh, design space for this game. But the former, if it's ever you know good enough where it's competitive, like you have a bunch of people who don't like it because it feels like playing solitaire. It's a completely different game for both players at that point, so... That's to um, a degree what kind of turned yeah. me off from certain magic metas where it's like, oh, it's it, we're, we're currently in a standard meta where the deck to win is like Nexus of Fate, where once they get it, you just got to sit there and twiddle your thumbs while they circularly yeah. jerculate themselves to and victory. This, this is coming from me. Like, I, I don't think it would be a good thing for this game, but I'm on record as saying, and, and I stand by it, my favorite deck to play in magic history was when... Dragonstorm was still type two or standard. Sorry, I'll forever call it type two. 
Um, when Dragonstorm was available in standard, that was my favorite deck to play of all time because it was like very nuanced and satisfying when it worked. And it was also really unfun for the other people when it worked. <laughs> so uh, I've been known to abuse combos, but I don't think it's right for this game because all of the design spaces around the the characters on the board, they want you to live that Star Wars dream. And that, you know, happens in interaction. That's basically it. It's not within the DNA of what the game wants to be. If it happens, it'll probably be by accident, is my thought. But, all right. Thank you so much, Jackson. And thank you for being a part of this awesome community that we love so much. All right, next one is from Simon. Simon, uh, Simon says. <laughs> oh, Chimer, I hate you. I love you. Uh, it says, hi, guys. Really been loving the show. You always make me laugh. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, sidebar. I stumbled upon the fact that the mailbag segment could definitely be called the cat's ask. And people were all about that. I mean, it is a pun. You know, as far as like making people laugh, if you're watching the video version of this, I'm about to make some folks laugh. Uh, you may have noticed that I'm slowly changing my position and frame, and it's because I've realized the hydraulics in my chair are going out. So I keep sliding. <laughs> so you're going to see me like struggle to get it right again. <laughs> At a certain point, uh, the struggle in the chair becomes a matter yeah. of age and not hydraulics, but still. Um, yeah. Well, right. I'm, I'm about halfway between the two, and that's why it's so funny. I can't <laughs> gracefully adjust it anymore. You can't have a little grace, to quote Seinfeld. Uh, so here's a question. In previous episodes, you've said that uh, you see Mace Windu as having survived his encounter with Palpatine and Anakin and his sudden exit via the window. I recently saw a Facebook post from Screen Rant saying Samuel L. Jackson very much would like to do a Mace Windu series. Betty would. Um, I would like to hear your thoughts on this. A suggestion I could see as fun but unlikely is to play into what Samuel Jackson is known for in other roles with regards to adult language and swearing. Obviously, this would have, uh, have to make the show for older viewers only. No problems there, in my opinion. Hence the very unlikely uh, scenario. If this were done, they could start right from the point of him going out the window. <laughs> With the record scratch and everything. <laughs> you might wonder why I'm mofoing over here right now. And then, yeah, with, his, with Samuel's usual expletive. Um, let's address this because there's a second part to this question. But let's talk about this first. I think that I get it. Like, And keep in mind that just because a former actor says that they want to see a series, what is probably missing is the context where they probably asked him, said, hey, you know, Ewan McGregor did an Obi-Wan series. What about a Mace Windu series? And what's he going to say? No, screw that crap. No, he probably said, yeah, I would love to do it. So I would really, I don't know the context, but I'm sure that it has something to do with that. It's not like he just woke up one day, called Screen Rant and said, hey, mother effers, I want to do a Mace Windu series, which I think is coming, dude. It's definitely coming. It's going to happen. Not a series, but he's appearing in something. Yeah, I, so the rumor has always been that Andor was supposed to feature the very first F-bomb in the Star Wars universe, and then it was cut at the last minute by by Disney to try to keep the rating PG-13 for that series. Um, I Ooh. will say that if, if 
Mace Windu doesn't give us the first ever F-bomb in Star Wars. It's kind of a tra- travesty in my mind. Like, I just feel like he deserves it and it's fitting. Um, but I don't think that it even necessarily outside of like, and I think you could do that even with for comic relief if you really wanted to. But outside of that, I don't think you really have to make it be that adult centric or themed because listen, Sam Jackson definitely has a a role. Like he gets typecasted, but he also does a bunch of other stuff without his normal persona that I've really enjoyed. Like I'm probably one of the few you know, people that really, really liked him in Unbreakable and like oh, Glass. Yeah. You know, like you can say what you want about those films, but like to me, him as a character in those was still enthralling. Like I, I actually like him as Mr. Glass. And I'm sure that we can see, you know, a version of him that's less caricatured, but still fits. Yeah. Um the the one F bomb kind of scenario. Like, the problem is, is that most times it's used for comedic effect, and I think that that kind of robs it. It robs the the impact of a word like that. And you and I use it relatively regularly, me especially, not on this. But ultimately, I think that if, if it is going to happen and or would have been a great environment for it to be used to really hammer something home. Like, the first time you hear a swear word yeah. in, like, a Marvel movie, you're like, damn, like, it means business, you know, it kind of just, it, it elevates it from fantasy to somewhat reality where you're like, wow, okay, they swear like you and I, like there are bad words and they choose to use them to emphasize yeah, a point. I think, I think that it, it has to be one of two. It, it either has to be the comedic relief, which is the more common one, or it has to be something that sells the seriousness, but not necessarily with like an emphasis on like, oh, it's adult language, so it's an adult situation, but just more so that like it's exactly the same response that you would have in the moment, right? It, it's putting you in into the show by by saying what the audience should be thinking or feeling right so like if you've got a situation in and or whatever and something happens and he, you know he's saying to himself you've got to be kidding me but now you drop in the expletive in front of it and it's just like a natural thing to me that's one of those things that just sells the like this is exactly where the audience should be mentally sort of thing uh well here i'm gonna put this into perspective you look at Andor as a show there are at least four or five characters that come directly to mind that would that are would use that use the f word and you wouldn't even bat an eye. Luthen, I think, yep. would do it. Mon Mothma, I think, when she's talking to Luthen and she's trying to set things up, I think that her dropping one just hammers the uh, point of like, damn, this is important. Andor, obviously, Andy Circus's character in the prison. Yep, like. Let's be real. You know, I, w- I was also going to say, you know, speaking of Mon Mothma, uh, I could see it coming out of her kid because there's that tension, that family tension they have there. And, you know, I remember what I was like as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. But that but th- to that point, it no longer beca- it become that's where the comedic part comes in. Like kids swearing when they're, you know, it's like, ha ha ha. Like, well, you know, it's it's yeah, they're potty mouth. But like uh, seeing Mon Mothma and Luthen have that sort of that really that important discussion about the the rebellion and the spy network and and the and the birth of the rebellion and you know there's disagreement and there's all kinds of there's so much on the line and if you have mon mothma say something along the lines of 
you know, where like they're disagreeing to the severity of something, and she just says something along the lines of like, "Of course I know how effing crucial this is," you know, like that's like, oh damn, that's Mon Mothma. Like we know Mon Mothma from the OG series where she's so soft spoken. She's almost like she reminds me <laughs> almost of remember that episode of The Simpsons where Mister Burns they think he's an alien. And he's like, I bring oh, you love. Yeah. yeah, that's how she she in my mind. That's how she she looks. From she's just a soft spoken presence. Many Bothans died to bring you this information. I bring you love. And then like that's kind of like if she drops an f bomb, you're like, damn, she means business. She's not. She's not intimidated by Luthen and all the dirty things that Luthen has had to do in the in the margins in order to, you know, create and pump up this rebellion. So, yeah, I, I would like to see Sam Jackson back, and I would like to see him swear, but the problem is, is that it becomes a Sam Jackson character and not a Mace Windu character. Right. Um, it goes on, further question on Spark of Rebellion. Now that the entire set has been revealed, what things would you say you are most disappointed to not have been included? I think the fact that Tantafor is missing is particularly disappointing, especially as it was the first thing you see on screen. Uh, also really missing there are no Bothans in the set. I guess they all died <laughs> to bring us this information. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep up the good work. Hope, to rece- uh, hope you really enjoyed yourselves at the community event. Regards, Simon. We did. Dude, it was incredible. Thank you very much for... Uh, setting that up tantive for missing is it's a glaring omission but what i want to just establish for people is pacing there are so many incredible characters we didn't get anakin we didn't get ahsoka um you know we didn't get babu freak we didn't get maz kanata we didn't i mean qui-gon maul oh yeah and i think it's okay we're gonna get multiple versions of them i think for sure but we didn't get the executor so let's just let's be real here folks they're coming they're absolutely coming and i get it tantive four right after the the scroll it's under fire it's being pursued i get it i think that it's okay i'm not disappointed because what not seeing something tells me is like it's going to be in the next set or in the other set there's anticipation left if we got all the main characters if we got all the notable entities from the star wars universe the sets that come out after that will be like, oh, we got, you know, that character who from The Mandalorian that fixes things, that has the pit droids. I don't even remember her name, you know? So that's kind of, I think that leaving some of this undone is actually preferable, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm okay with, you know, some stuff being not in it there are i don't know there i i guess i would say there are some things that i would have expected just based on other characters that were included but again maybe they are just going to come in a in a future set so it it's weird to me for example to see like lando and not also have lobot because i don't know why but like i always think of those two like to me lobot mentally is lando's chewy and i know that's not really the case but he's just paul schaefer (laughs) yeah yeah so, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I don't I don't know if I would say that I was, like, disappointed that they weren't there. Like, if you're talking about places as well, um, and, you know, the Forest Moon on Endor, 
right? If you're talking about characters, we didn't get any Ewoks. Um, I think that's going to be a set, dude. I honestly none of the, think none of the bases are in Dagobah, right? So, like, Dagobah as an entire planet is. I, mean, I I'm forgetting one, but I firmly believe. What is the most impactful, incredible set that came out of Star Wars CCG? Think about it. And that, that's that. I mean, that's a loaded question because I mean, obviously, all the stuff that was Jedi training was really important, but also all the mains like with their weapons. Okay, but those are but those were all kind of like add-ons. They weren't expansions. They were just kind of one-offs, like a, a ten-card drop that you had to buy in singles. The most impactful set that ever came out is Death Star Two. It was an entire set circulated around one event, which was the Battle of Endor. Right. Death Star 2, you had the executor, you had your, and here's the thing, you got your first ever printing of the Emperor. They went like eight sets without printing an Emperor. People are like, what are you waiting for? Hello? And then Luke as a Jedi, which again, another thing where they're like, when are we getting a full-powered Luke? That was the first time that we got that in that card game. So what I'm thinking is, when it comes down, I was wrong. I need to correct myself. There, I, I was like, I don't think we've seen Dagobah, but it, then I was like, no, I think we did. It was, uh, it's one of the vigilance common bases. Yeah, so I just want to I, correct myself real quick. I, I, I opened it. Dagobah Swamp. Yeah. So it, we're gonna see Dagobah. I think what we're gonna see is we're gonna see like a th- a themed set, like where hey, we're gonna get all kinds of stuff from. Endor, we're going to see Chief Chirpa, we're going to see Wicket, we're going to see some scout troopers and and all this stuff. We're going to see cool, more ATSDs in an ATAT. We'll see the Tempest Squadron, you know? Um, what I'm hoping for is more themed sets so that we can kind of, like, explore more. But we already know we're going where we're going next, you know? Shadows and stuff like that. So it's going to be more fringe stuff, is my opinion. But... I, this is this is the part of it that I'm kind of very happy about, Charmer, is the fact that I I have confidence in the game where I'm like, you know what? If we don't see it this year or next year, I know the game's going to be around for a while. We're going to get there, and I'm happy about that. I'm happy to pace myself. I don't want too much too soon. I don't want to spoil it, and that's that's okay. Yeah, my, my wallet can't handle it already. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, that's also- let's just start with that. So thank you so much, Simon, for your submission. Charmer, what's up next, man? Bombs. That's what's up next. <laughs> oh, wait. Actual Bombs is the name in the Discord. Yes, join so, the Discord. Join the Discord. This one was in the Discord by Bombs. Mailbag question. Probably a week early, but are there any cards you're hoping to open in your pre-release sealed packs that have interactions or combo off each other that you think would be fun? Very good question. I This is a great question. Yes. I was able to... So this wasn't sealed, but it's the same thing in Limited. I drafted... Uh, I think my pack one or pick one was Jabba, and then I was passed... Pack one, pick two. I was past. Um, what's his face? Oh my god. Uh, uh, Ebutaka Bujaba now. What's his name? 
Why can't I remember his name? His right-hand man. The guy who took the throne after he died. Holy Moses. Oh, um... I can't believe I forgot his name. Please don't. Wow. You also forgot his name, so... I'm, I'm making He's the twi- him. He's the Twi'lek. Oh, my God. Anyways, I got past him, and they have... They have uh, synergies. Oh, who is it? Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. Thank you. I was like, it has something to do with money and fortune. Anyway, uh, I got I opened Java and then I got past Bib Fortuna. So for me, I was like, let's just do some fun cunning stuff. And then I basically was drafting like asteroid sanctuaries and waylays and stuff, like any tricks that I can get, which are a lot of fun. Um, but I think that for me. The combo that I I want more than anything is not necessarily centered around a card that I have to draw. It's going to be leader stuff. And I will say this, Tarkin and Imperials is so freaking good. So I will say this. This is my answer officially. In my sealed pool, I want to open Tarkin. I want to open Veers. And I want to open a lot of low-to-the-ground nonsense Imperials, and I want those Sentry Walkers so that I can give them all experience points. That's that's what I want to do. That, that's a good answer. Um, Tarkin with just the 3-1 Stormtrooper is so good and sealed because there's not, at least right now, like there is in other games, a lot of that cheap, like, you know, pay one to deal two damage sort of removal. So if your first turn is I play the 3-1 and then I give it an experience with Tarkin, that's already an outstanding start in that format. Um, So that one's great. Uh, My cheat answer is that I want to open a Showcase Iden or a Showcase Sabine, but not because of any card combos, just because they're they're some of my favorite characters. Um, As far as like more traditional uh combos i'm a big fan of the how do i want to i don't want to put this um i'm a big fan of there's like a vigilance package and vigilance villainy um now the problem is is a lot of the the cards are are rares um but even if you can just get one of them you can kind of exploit it so like del Mico. Uh, Gideon and Aiden, uh, those three, obviously, they're all from the same game, right? Uh, but they all work together incredibly well. So at the sealed event, when we were at the celebration, I opened a Gideon, and he was a house for me. Um, just a, a very effective ball of stats that also gave, I think by the time he was gone, he gave me an 8-8's worth of stats between the experience tokens I gave out and his body, right? So... Like getting him and then combining it with the other parts of the vigilance package, whether it's like make an opening, like that card's really fantastic. Obviously, stuff like takedown and vanquish are also really good. Um, that sort of thing can be just oppressive in a limited environment. Similarly, uh, I obviously you're getting the the healing triggers. I know she's a rare leader, but that can be really impactful. Um, and then Del Mico kind of just does all the things you want if you're in that that vigilance area so um those are usually things that i would get excited about uh i also would get relatively excited i'm being honest if i opened any of the cheap force users and then like the lightsaber like Mm -hmm. the jedi lightsaber 
So when I say the cheap force users, um, Ezra is an uncommon, and it's very economical to throw just a regular Jedi lightsaber on him and have him go to work. Kanan, um, but I think. even uh, yep. So Kanan, uh, Kanan is a uh, four drop um, already in the same aspect traits as well. He can go to work, but even the uh, common two two that reduces the cost of upgrades you you play is fantastic if you can uh pull it off because you can uh it's uh, what guardian of the wills yeah guardian of the wills uh that's the two two for two and then if you drop a lightsaber on it that's still a force unit so um going into your next turn with a four four that can give something minus two minus two means you're probably taking control of the board very early so stuff like that feels good to me there's so much that i'm just super into um but yeah i mean if you're just looking in a vacuum of some cool cards that aren't like rares or legendaries that you want to open green squadron a wings do some work those four three troopers that have a shield on them like those are disgusting um or they have sentinel four three sentinels yeah the four three sentinels those things are are in heroism and command filthy absolutely filthy those cards are disgusting tyler parrot and you're probably listening in that draft yes you tyler's probably listening laughing about it because the dude drafted i think six or seven of them he was right to my left and i wasn't in those colors i wasn't going to play those colors but this schmuck absolutely was just and he was laughing about it he wasn't even hiding it he's like oh another one do i just draft it and then he i think he showed like uh josh or jim or something and they just kind of laughed they're like how did you manage to get all those but this is again they've drafted it a thousand times we were new i didn't know but those cards are great um thank you bombs thank you so much next up t-bird asdf asks in the discord go join the discord uh given the wording of the comprehensive rules in brackets i'm a rules nerd here have read it twice already we love you we'll hook you up with josh scott josh scott the uh rules and policy manager at lss who makes flesh and blood his story is incredible do you think it implies that we will never see leaders that deploy to the space arena or do you think that it is worded that way to make it a pleasant surprise in the future so i don't know what the wording is i will be completely honest with you i don't remember it offhand i would imagine that the wording says something like deploy it to the ground arena or something like that but in general, Charmer, you can go first on this one. Do you think we'll get space leaders? I do think we will at some point. And I think that right now the rules are written in a way that just reflect the current state. And I think that for two reasons. One, it does preserve a surprise for if we ever get to that point. But also, one of the things that rules are meant to do is make things as clear as possible to players. And if you can't do it right now, then your rules should reflect that. So I think that as far as like an onboarding tool and you're trying to teach new players how to play with this set one, it makes sense that it would only say to the ground arena because that's the only place that they can go right now. Um, But I I do think at some point we will likely get either a we'll either get a space leader uh, like in the form of them piloting a ship or. Um, we might also like to get around it. We might get something where like you deploy the leader and the leader goes to the ground, but it's like understated 
and then you create like a token or you just search your top, you know, five or 10 cards for a spaceship and deploy it. Right. So you might get like a one, one on the ground leader, but their come into play trigger is, you know, put or it could be from hand or whatever. Right. But you put a spaceship into play, that sort of thing. I, I just, it, it's, so obvious to me i i would be shocked if we never get some sort of interaction with the space arena from from the leader standpoint i agree with you i think it's coming however it has to be done in the right way you cannot just sprinkle one or two space leaders you have to release almost an entire set of of space leaders to catch up because if there's just like two on each side and one of them is inherently way better than all others and once that leader comes out in space you basically win the game because it's almost un unanswerable that can be problematic you have to give options you have to almost build an entire space related set so when we're talking about earlier about death star 2 and star wars ccg being like this amazing thing what if there was a death star 2 set where it's like your your six leaders on each side is like home one redemption um the the millennium falcon you know gold squadron one um red leader you know things like that uh and on the other side you've got the executor the flagship executor you've got maybe you've got the death star too maybe that's like a, a 12 resource leader that comes out and it's like a 2020 overwhelm or something like that like something crazy um ultimately the problem is scarcity and sort of trickling it in because if you have something that is just inherently better in space than anything else that's out there you'll build around that you'll play a whole bunch of bombing runs and super lasers and stuff like that to keep the ground clean you drop your big boy on uh you drop your leader in space and then it could be lights out from that perspective but i i sincerely believe it's coming and the rules will be revised to reflect and accommodate it but at the end of the day it's got to be something where it is almost the the primary focus of the set is to bolster space because right now in set one it's a ground-based game there's no ifs ands or buts about it there's great space units but it's it's a it's a ground-based game i can't wait for us to get a leader that deploys to space in some rickety spaceship and it's chief chirpa like somehow the Ewoks found some left behind starship. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like we've launched a chimpanzee into space. Like I feel like <laughs> that we're just, hey, we're on like the fourth or the third sequel to Planet of the Apes. So we're not far, man. Like the they took on an entire like legion of imperials i mean with, yeah with sticks and stones like literally sticks well, and stones yeah but also they had a little yub nub right they got the elbow grease if why, you will why do you make yub nub sound like it's like like they were all on speed oh we got we're all I, on yub nub i don't know why did they make the the jedi sound like midichlorians were an std man i <laughs> i don't make up the star wars rules i just play some jats and move on that's a good that is a that is a good option <laughs> thank you t-bird for that one last one in the mailbag i'll do a little bit of uh skimming to see if maybe we missed one but uh, hit us with, with the next one yeah while you're skimming i will let us know this comes from new jersey i'm gonna say Demo, 
So I apologize if that is, is supposed to be like Damo or Damo or something, but I'm going to say New Jersey Damo. The mailbag question is, how are each of you planning on organizing your SWU collection? Rarity, mono aspect, dual aspect, type, etc. I'm getting my binder, so you do it. I'll show you how I did mine. All right. So this is actually, I think, a really interesting question because there is no like Dewey Decimal system for card games beyond like set number stuff, and very few people do it truly by set number. Almost all of us have something that just works like the way our monkey brain works. So for me, uh, when it comes to my bulk, so commons and uncommons and whatever, they will likely go into four row boxes with dividers and I will sort them by aspect combos. So if it's like just vigilance, that's a row. Vigilance, heroism, like that's a row. And then also divided by set and et cetera. Um, mostly because uh, I do that instead of by set number. And a lot of the set number stuff, I think, for set one already adheres to that anyway. So, But I, like, I won't pay attention to the set number. I'll still pay attention to the aspects. Um, but the reason I do that is because a lot of times when I'm deck building, that's my go-to, right? So if I'm saying, like, hey, I'm building a deck around these three traits, then I know to search the areas where those traits are. And that just makes sense to my brain. Now, the exception to this is when I... And trying to put together my one of everything set, um, I will do that by set number. I'll probably get one of the binders that is uh, four wide, so um, 12 per page instead of nine per page, because it's going to be a regular, regular foil, hyperspace, hyperspace foil, right? So four, one of each across for each card. And I'll just do a one of as like my my attempt at a master set. Who knows if I'll ever actually pull it off, but that's the way I'll organize that. But everything else, like when it comes to like my bulk and stuff, um, I'll do that by aspect combos. I think that's uh, a good option. I'm I've done so many different variations of how I want to do it, and ultimately, when it comes down to it, my as a as somebody who plays and likes to play competitively and has to continuously change their deck from week to week, month to month, I need to know where my cards are. So I, I started by just having a binder with all, for example, I'll use Flesh and Blood as an example because that's what I've collected the most of. I had a binder that was all the Majestics and I used to do it by class, but then there were dual classes and then there were classes with talents. So it became a little bit more of a mess and I still had to go into my long boxes of each set to fill out the commons and the rares. So ultimately, I actually did this about a month and a half ago. I took all the cards out and I sorted them into play sets and just put them in binders based on number. So set one, welcome to Wraith. Card number one goes into card number one slot. Two, three, four, five, six. That is what I have done right here with Star Wars Unlimited, which, uh, if you can see, is all the cards, all the sets, etc. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, priority goes to hyperspace cards, and then the base sets go behind them. Foils, no dice. They didn't make the cut. However, like you said, I also have this. It's a binder that uh, is four wide, and I'm slowly filling it up with my hyperfoils. Now, these aren't going to be in any particular order because they're so scarce, so I'm just putting it in there. But this is going to be like my showcase binder. This is my this is my Watto's shop, if you will. Yeah. Or Unker I think Plots. it's important to have a binder that says, like, 
you hand it to your friend and say, this is why you should play the game. Oh, yeah. It would be this. It would it would definitely right? be this. But like as and it you, stands you right should now. Attach, you should have like a thing on the side for sunglasses. Be like, put these on. You're going to need it. Oh, right. Because yeah. the foils are so shiny. <laughs> I actually get to do something right now. I actually get to upgrade my collection because I'm taking out as as we look at it right now. I'm taking out my non hyperspace Boba Fett. And, I'm putting in the hyper. And I'm putting in, exactly, I'm putting in the hyperspace Boba Fett. So this is also, like, part for me is the little satisfactions of, you know, I mean, I've opened so much flesh and blood in my life that when I go to a pre-release or I, or sorry, I go to a draft or whatever, at the end of the day, unless there's a card, I uh, like a Majestic or a Legendary or something that I really want, I, I ask everybody at the event, I said, who needs cards? And usually there's somebody who wants them, and I just give them to them because the set has been completed long ago. There's no more of that. But for this, man, I'm like, there's mission to it. There's 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 progress. I'm going to be still hunting for cards from set one long into set 10's release, I think. And I think that that goes a long way just for the cards. But to answer the question, my friend, it is... A binder per set, three ofs in each slot, or like the max amount of playables per slot in order of the set number at the bottom right corner. That way, when I'm building a deck, it's like, oh, I need regional governor. Regional governor is in Spark of Rebellion, card number XYZ. I know exactly where it is, and all my copies are there. It's just, it's mainly for, facil for facilitating, not to mention, if you want to just look at a collection, you should be like, hey, here's... Here's Spark of Rebellion from one to two something. Like, go for right. it. Have a look. Uh, I don't think we have any more questions. We have a lot of suggestions for future episodes. Again, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so uh, at Ice Cave Radio on Twitter, at Watchflake on Twitter, at That Charm 3R on Twitter, at GGDOA on Twitter. Uh, but also go to the Discord. That We are there. We want to hear from you. I'm in there chatting all the time. We got a lot of suggestions for future episodes. Here's the thing, Charmer, is like you're talking about like it feels like we've done this forever, but there's still so much that we have to we have forever yeah, to oh, go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I'm not hurting for excitement or content or any of any of those things. If anything, right now I'm just hurting for time. So yeah. you know, speaking of the the Discord. Uh, I was trying to to be active when we first stood it up, but this week has been hell. So if you are in our Discord and you were wondering where I've been, I apologize. My work week has been very, very demanding, and I've had to be in the office physically. And when I'm when I'm in the office, uh, one, it's this giant building, and the cell signal inside is awful. And I work with uh, government secured data and so forth, so like I can't. They, they have everything locked down. I, like, I can't connect to the Wi-Fi, and even if I could, I wouldn't be able to load Discord on it and blah, blah, blah. So basically, like, you know, when I message Flake or, or Doa during the day, I have to, like, take a break, walk outside to the parking lot, and then, like, send a few messages and then walk back inside, and that, that's been my experience this week. So uh, I feel... Um, feel bad because i just want to talk about star wars a bunch like i'm so excited it's eight days until pre-release we have incredible people there don't worry about it um you are obviously missed i'm not going to be saying otherwise i post char memes all the time there's the 
the one of you and your blown motivator. There's the one of you and I sharing a hotel room when we're on I the road. Did, uh, yeah, I, I, this is how bad it is. I was getting caught up on some of those. And right when we were starting to record, I was like, oh, I saw this. And so that when we were like, hey, are you ready? And I said, I am now. It's I had just hit enter on a reply. Oh, did you? <laughs> because I was like, yeah, yeah, it was for because uh, somebody posted a, the gif of him eating Kenny Rogers roasters. Kenny? And it reminded me of that conversation that we had when I had said that, like, you know, we loved Kenny Rogers roasters because we had one near me. And you were like, wait, that was a real thing. I had no idea, dude. I got the guy. <laughs> and is... I was like, yeah, and it was actually kind of good. How the hell do I know that the gambler decided to make a chicken shack? Like, what the hell, man? I, I honestly, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, still, please uh, go check it out. The discord link is going to be um, in the the description of this video or in the description of this podcast episode. If not, the Twitter account has the link there. Join us. There's a hundred of us now and it's growing and it's incredible. And we just love to talk Star Wars. So by all means, there's plenty of, plenty of uh, amazing people there. So some of the topics that people want us to talk about, they want top, they want like top 10 arts that we think or top five art that we want to like, that we like out of the set. There's, uh, you know, uh, some of the fundamentals of deck building. What what are the initial steps to building a proper deck? There's a lot of things that we are going to get to. And I promise you all, um, we are going to get to this stuff. The issue is, is like, again, we are scattered around two different countries. Doha's moving out west. We are trying to put as much content out as we can. But our priority is this show. And we're going to try to get you some more stuff. But you've been in the lab building decks. I've been in the lab building decks with Doa. There's a really cool... I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil it, actually, because it's not my thing. So I'm not even going to say it. We'll just let it happen. But, yeah, we'll just let it happen. But there's a reason that deck building has occurred. And it's because we love the game, obviously. Obviously. And not for any other reason at all. You know, it's funny you mention, you know, us being strewn about. But another reason that... I don't think we have uh, like put out deck building guides and whatever yet is because uh, we don't even have consensus amongst ourselves. Like yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have time to have like the good discussion because again, like I'm outside in the parking lot on my break, but like, um, you know, we, we have a lot of discussions amongst ourselves even where it's like, well, I think this, well, I think that. Yeah. And then it, and it's fun though. Right. Like that's the beauty of card games. Charmer is of the ilk that, Palpatine should pair up with aggression. Doa and I believe it should be vigilance. Fireworks ensue. One thing we, again, let's find some common ground. It is definitely not cunning, unless it is, in which case <laughs> we're both like wrong. I feel like if you're going to play a control cunning deck, you just play Thrawn at that point, though. Yeah, no, you definitely Like, do. this was specifically looking for a Palpatine pairing. Yeah, we got to have Palpy. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all Star Wars, you appropriate ages for tuning into Ice Cave Radio, episode number 36, every week, every Saturday. We're excited, man. Um, Pre-releases are happening. Then the the big shebang. Uh, I said good news, bad news. I was in contact with some of the higher-ups at SCG. They said that, no, there will not be any Star Wars U at SCG Con Philadelphia but they are going to make it happen for future SCG cons. Good news, bad news. We love that. Oh, boy. 
before you put on your robo voice, any anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off? Say sayonara. Oops, I did it early. Oh, you guy. Just kidding. There's the f bomb. It was about to drop. Yeah. There, yeah. What the are you even doing over there? No, okay. Yeah. No, I I don't have anything else. I'm just really really excited. Um, every day inches closer, and I think one of the big reasons that I myself am personally excited, and I know you know this, I've shared it with you, but um, I get to take my my oldest son. So Stark is super excited, and so for this first one that's on Friday, I might actually get to go to three that weekend because I found more that are happening locally, but. For sure on Friday, me and my son have signed up for one of our locals and we're going to go. And so, yes, it's exciting because of the game and everything, but also like this is the first time I get to take him to a pre-release for any game. And uh, I don't know. There's something sweet about that. I'm glad it's Star Wars. That's such a look. I, I don't have kids. I'm not planning on having kids, but I love Stark to death and I'm... Uh, that is something that I almost wish I was there just to be there with with you, with Stark, to actually have this happen. And unfortunately, that, that can't happen. But there will be so many. This is a game where I'm excited to, you know, like, I'm sure you have, this is going to be infinitely more important to you. But if ever, imagine casting a match of of Stark on camera, playing at a tournament, you and I casting his match. How incredible would that be it would be so awesome to call him losing to brody spurlock <laughs> brody by then is like 28 he's got 19 <laughs> championships under his belt he's also like a 250 pound linebacker because he started working out he's yeah. got brains and brawn that's not fair man oh god who's gonna be the brody spurlock of star wars you it's probably gonna be brody spurlock <laughs> Probably. It's not going to be Brody Sprilla. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you very much for tuning into Ice Cave Radio. Don't forget, leave us a five-star review. It goes miles, and your reviews have been so helpful. We love you so much. We recently uh, surpassed 40,000 um, hits across all platforms. We're approaching 50,000. It is incredible what you guys have done for us and uh, the community. We love you very much. We will see you next time on Ice Cave Radio. Charmer, wisdom, make it happen. May the force be with you.